You're listening to You Heard It Here First, the first United Methodist Church of New Ulm podcast. On Community, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 20 25 through chapter 5, verse 2. I'd like to begin with some trivia today. Do you know what a group of geese are called? A gaggle, which is a funny word. How about a group of cows? A herd of cattle. A group of chickens is called a flock. A group of hens is called a brood. A group of ducks is called a raft, a team, or a paddling. A group of eagles is called a convocation. A group of flamingos is called a flamboyance. A group of pandas is called an embarrassment, which is pretty funny. A group of bears is called a sleuth. A group of lions is called a pride. A group of hawks is called a kettle, a boil, or a cast. A group of monkeys is called a troop or a barrel. A group of people can be called a great number of things. An array, a circle, a club, a horde, a huddle, a melee, a scrum. There's a British word. And there are a lot of other words we can use. A group of book lovers is called a bibliophilia. A group of Star Trek fans are called Trekkies. Ask me how I know. But you see, if we get a little more specific, a group of people who live in the same place is called a town or a city. And if we get even more specific, a group of people who profess faith in Christ and who gather weekly to celebrate that is called a church. And even more specifically, a group of people who gather together for worship, who love Jesus and other people, who are big fans of church potlucks and happen to think that coffee is the third sacrament, are called Methodists. But even so, you see the pattern that emerges in the midst of all these different groups of people or animals, as the case may be, is that they are together. They are in some form or another a community. And this is where we pick up our scripture text for today from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through chapter 5, verse 2, where we shift from the topic of unity between these two groups of Jews and Gentiles trying to get along in the Ephesian churches into the more practical topic of how then shall we live. And we begin with a very simple exhortation in verse 25 that shapes the rest of our passage. So then. Putting away falsehood, let, us, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. The International Standard Version translated as, for we belong to one another. And I think that's absolutely beautiful, but surprisingly accurate as well. Because you see, everything that comes after is rooted in this idea of belonging to one another. One of the things that I learned about myself when I got to college was that one of my strengths is connectedness, as it were, or the ability to see how different things are connected to one another. And in conversation with our resident ecologist, Megan Benage, recently, I was reminded once again of the simple truth that everything, absolutely everything, is connected to everything else in this world. In other words, we need each other. Because the journey of life and of discipleship that is following Jesus is not one we take alone, but one we take together. 
It's why there's a section in our baptismal covenant for both parents and sponsors and the greater congregation to respond. Because it takes a village to raise children, but even greater because we are connected to one another through Christ. And so, as a result, this notion of individualism over the presence of community in our lives is a false one. And so all of these exhortations, beginning with be angry and do not sin, and everything that follows is meant to be for the good of the community and not just for the individual. And while the reference made to thieves must give up stealing and work honestly with their own hands, my study Bible made reference to the fact that it was so that they would have something to share with the needy themselves. I'm also struck by the exhortation in verse 29, Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. A few weeks ago, we heard about how our words have power, and how we can either use words to help, harm, or heal one another. Just like how something, like a scalpel, which is basically a knife, has the power to either potentially take life or, when placed in the, into the capable hands of a surgeon, that thing that can take life becomes something that can potentially save it. And so the exhortation here is to use words to build up so that your words may give grace to those who hear. Now, I know that in my own life, if I'm honest, there are far too many situations and circumstances that I care to count where my words did not build up or give grace to others. And yet, even if you're anything like me and have made these mistakes in your life, the blood of Christ is enough to cleanse us of all our shortcomings. But even more so, the power of the Holy Spirit is always within us, seeking to mold us more and more into the person of Christ in our lives. And so as we walk with God and one another on this journey of life, I'm reminded of the reasons why the passage continues with, put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Friends, we tend to this work not for our own benefit, but also for the benefit of others. I've heard the phrase more than once, you only love God as much as the person you like the least. Now, the first time I heard that, I had to sit with it a little bit because that one struck me. That one stings a bit, doesn't it? Because if we're honest, we probably don't treat the people we like the least nearly as well as the people that we do actually like. And yet, in the midst of walking with God, part of the reason why we put these things away and why we are called to be imitators of God or little Christs, as C.S. Lewis describes, is for the sake of the other in our midst. To acknowledge the belovedness of our neighbor, just as we accept our own belovedness from God. I imagine it to be a bit like a circle dance, if you will, because God's love for believers is expressed in his will to adopt us as children of God. And it comes to us from chapter 1, verse 5, the very beginning of Ephesians. 
And the love that God expresses to us, whom God has adopted, is passed on to others, who in turn pass it on to others, all while being returned to God. And so there is this great to and fro, this great giving and receiving of love between God and human beings and back again, friends. Because these exhortations are not a reductionist, don't do this, but do this list but instead are fruits of a relationship with God in our lives that come out of journeying with Jesus on this path together called life. But all of these things, forgiveness, building up, and the like, are all things rooted in the love of God and love of neighbor, and we can only do it with God's help and the power of the Holy Spirit. Try as we might, we will make mistakes. We will fall short. We will inevitably fail. But the nice thing, the beautiful thing, I think, about all of this is that we can cry out to God who, who will help us, who will encourage us, who will help us stand up again and dust ourselves off after failures and keep going. And so, may we then be a people saturated with the power of the Spirit and the love of Christ to the glory of God as we seek to live as a community called to journey through this life together. The community of faith, the church. May it always be so. Amen. it here first, the First United Methodist Church of New Ulm podcast. Feel free to check out our website, firstumcnewulm.org, and our Facebook page, facebook.com slash firstumcnewulm. Hope you have a blessed day.